Hi, this is me. I'm the Marketing and Communications Specialist at CARE. I'm Melissa. I'm one of the Violence Prevention Coordinators at CARE, and you are listening to The Narrative Project. Hi everyone, Hazal here with some of our amazing colleagues. Welcome back to another episode of The Narrative Project hosted by UCI CARE. The UCI CARE office provides free and confidential support services to members of the UCI community impacted by sexual assault, relationship abuse, family violence, and or stalking. UCI CARE aims to end these forms of power-based personal violence by engaging the campus community in education, programming, and transformative action. Before we get into today's topic, I'll let everyone introduce themselves with their names, pronouns, affiliation, where they're calling in from today, and a quick description of themselves and their background. So my name is Hazal. My pronouns are she, they. Um, I'm a intern at the UCI CARE office working in outreach and prevention education. I'm calling in from Irvine. I have medium length black curled hair and I am wearing a mint green shirt with a sage jacket. And my background is a blue UCI CARE background with the little anteater in the corner and CARE office info in the other corner. Hi everyone, my name is Michaela Ng. I use she, they pronouns. I am the marketing administrative intern here at the UCI CARE office. Today I'm calling in from the Bay Area and quick description of myself. I have long black hair, I'm wearing a white sweater, and I have the same background as Hazal, which is the blue UCI CARE background with a little anteater in the corner and UCI CARE contact information above. Hello, my name is Zoe and I use she, her pronouns, and I currently don't have any affiliation. I'm interning in this work company right now, uh, and I'm calling from Irvine today, and I'm using that in a Zoom window, virtual background right now, and I'm holding an editor with me. A little bit background about me, I have a straight, long, dark hair, yeah, and I actually, uh, I'm Asian, I study here, like I came to America like three years ago, and I spent half of my high school in San Francisco. Hello everyone, my name is Daisy, I use she, they pronouns. I am a UCI alum and I used to work at the UCI LGBT Resource Center. I also graduated UCI with a gender and sexuality studies minor and I'm calling in from my home in Los Angeles and I'm sitting here and I have short curly hair, kind of brownish red, and I'm wearing a Taylor Swift cardigan. Thank you everyone. So for our 11th episode today, we're going to be exploring and discussing the socialization of gender. To preface our discussion, we'll be conversing about topics that may be sensitive for some. Our first question today is, what is gender to you? To me, gender, as I've come to know it, is something that you kind of feel most comfortable expressing yourself in and the way that you're perceived. I don't, that's, very, that's such a hard question because it can mean so many different things. Um, but I guess the thing that comes off the top of my head is just like, what things do I do, wear, say, and all of that? And like, what are all those things that I do that make me feel like myself? It's almost like a personality thing, kind of. I don't know if that makes sense. And then whatever that is that like gets put out into the world, I guess, eventually becomes labeled. And it just is. I don't know. It's so weird. For me, so I'm studying in gender and sexuality. Like I'm in that major right now. 
So for the class I take and like throughout the time, the things that have been told is gender is constructed. So it's not there before, but it's constructed by social norm and etc. And for me, because I came from uh, I came from China, and we do have a lot of restriction. Like it, like they don't tell you, but you can feel it. And they will say something like, "Oh, it's not girly or it's not manly to do things like that." And for me, like I I hate wearing dress before. I feel like that's too girly for me. But now I don't know. I kind of just get into it, but I'm not sure is that. Is that like a personal choice? So I'm like subconsciously being constructed. And gender for me is like kind of a hard question because I feel like people have been talking about it all the time, but there's not really a clear answer, like a correct answer for it. Awesome! Thank you both for sharing. Our next question is: What would you consider the socialization of gender? I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying about how like gender is a construct. Because a lot of it happens because of the socialization of gender, so I guess it could even be like baby showers and how that's like socializing um, a person before they're even born. It it's just like all these expectations, like you mentioned before, of like um, oh that's a little bit too masculine for you, or that's too feminine, you shouldn't do that, and it's like these pressures that other people are putting on you whether you realize that that's happening or not. Like if it's gifting a kid Barbies or gifting a kid a skateboard or something like we don't realize that like sometimes you're only choosing to give um, girls these things or boys these things and not really allowing for much growth outside of those two categories, which is kind of unfortunate, but I'm glad um, there's some parents who are starting to kind of socialize their kids in a gender neutral way. That's kind of cool. Just remind me of one example my professor told us. It's about why we would call oh, it's a boy, it's a girl, like when the baby is born. So um, what she said is it told us a way that how we're gonna raise this kid, as like we give out their gender, but we're not actually asking for their consent. They don't even know if they want to be a girl or a boy before, but we're assigning it first. At the time they're born or maybe like even before born so we know like how to like construct them how to raise them in a particular way that the society would admit and accept it's kind of weird if you think about it because it's like you're so unaware well some people who throw baby showers and stuff can be so unaware that that's what they're doing because i i've like heard stories of like some aunts or whatever when they're like, you don't want to know the sex of your baby? How will I know like what to get you for your baby shower? How will I know how to do this or that? And it's like, well, you could just do the same thing for any child. It's a baby. <laughs> All right, following up, we're gonna kind of dive into the personal uh, side of that. So how did you learn about gender and what have you learned about gender in your own experience? I feel like I was raising a pretty like gender neutral way. Maybe my parents will say something like, oh, you, you should probably wear a dress, but they were not like push me into doing things. And like my friends I know or people I know, um, they're pretty open about like gender. There's no like certain restriction that will post upon it. Mostly the 
restriction I heard is like from news. And there's like one news recently, probably last month, that says like a, uh, it's like a policy or like a recommendation from uh, the government that said like, like nowadays our like male, our teenager is <laughs> not like masculine enough and we're gonna push like extra practice, maybe like more PE class on that. And the girls, they should have like sewing class. I was like, oh, that's like back in the 19th century. It's like, whoa. So that raised a lot of concern at that time. And if I wanna talk about gender, that's the things that comes to my mind recently. And what have I learned about gender for me? Uh, it's pretty open. Most of the people around me was like saying you can be like whoever you want to be. Uh -huh. So I don't really feel like I have like particularly dark memory about it. For myself, I didn't realize when I was learning about gender, but I can remember like, I grew up in a fairly gender neutral kind of way. Kind of, because I grew up with my cousin and him and I were brought up together and my parents were very much, we're not buying toys for one of you and then again for the other one. So we just like shared toys. And so we were kind of forced to me, quote unquote, do the mass, use the masculine toys and him, quote unquote, use feminine toys. And it was never frowned upon for either one of us to do that. I also, my parents didn't care to know my sex when they were pregnant or when my mom was pregnant with me. And I think that also was pretty cool of them. So they already had this mindset of we're going to raise her fairly neutrally as much as uh, my Mex Mexican parents knew to do in the 90s. So I feel like like I learned gender mostly from my peers in elementary school because like I feel like that's when it was really pushed on me with um, these little boys already having a gradual masculinity because I could run faster than them or something and then being like, you shouldn't be able to do that. And me wanting to like prove them wrong and like this kind of like tension that I didn't know was there because of these constructs. Um, so I feel like that's probably where I must have learned about gender the most was from my um, peers growing up. What I've learned about gender is that there's, it becomes a boundary that you're restricted by. So like as a kid, I learned that, that there's a boundary of, of how strong I could be because if not, that doesn't fit who everyone needs me to be because I'm a quote unquote girl. So I, that's something that I learned about gender until I came to UCI and then I started taking gen sex classes and I was like, wow, everything is so much more complicated than that. <laughs> All right, kind of in line with our last question. Um, when was the first time you remember actually thinking about your gender as your gender and kind of identifying that in yourself? Probably a UCI gen sex class. <laughs> I think that's when I really started to question everything because that's when we would have like really deep discussions about like our personal lives and theory and I don't know if you've never taken a gen sex class at UCI I always tell people like you should take one and really try and get yourself involved in it so you can feel and get the most out of it 
But I guess I I started to question, well, if I dress this way, I could still have another gender identity. Like the way I dress doesn't necessarily determine my gender identity. And then, then it hit me again when they were like, whatever pronouns you have, that doesn't align with your gender identity if you don't want it to either. And I was like, dang, you got a point there too. And like all of these things, you start to realize that like it's really becomes something deeper I don't know like very much more abstract than you would have thought and so that's when I started to kind of tap into myself and think about it and reflect to try to to try to find my own understanding of my personal gender and then at one point one of my friends used they them pronouns on me for whatever reason and I was like wait a minute that kind of felt good (laughs) and then that kind of stuck and then I just kind of started to understand myself in a way that incorporates this ambiguity within gender and like fluidity, I guess. So for me, the first time, probably in middle school. So like I was chatting with my friend and he said he go along traveling every year by himself. And I was like, oh, I, I want to do it. But then I realized that's probably different situation compared to boy and girls, especially if like I'm traveling along, like the, my top one concern is of course my safety. But for him, he doesn't really, like he didn't really care about, like only things I keep he cares like, oh, do I have enough money to cover my expense? But uh, for me, I was like thinking like, maybe I should bring the pepper spray first. <laughs> And yeah, for travel alone, even in another city, for now, if I want to travel to another country, I would seriously think about it. And I will probably bring some of my friends because I just, it's hard to find a situation when you're traveling alone and you can feel totally safe. So for me, I feel like I will enjoy traveling alone a lot more than going with my friend. But because of that safety concern, yeah, I still have a kind of like a companion. Yeah. Yeah, going back to what you were saying, Daisy, how college was a big time where you started to like think about your gender. I think that was something pretty similar with me too, because a little background, I'm a sociology major. So it's a lot about like thinking about what are these constructs of like society and how have we made, how have we structured these gender roles and taking those introductory sociology classes really opened my mind. What am I doing? Like, who am I? Who am I within these structures? It was really interesting because in taking those classes, I realized that for a long time, I've been questioning what is gender? Why am I doing these things? Because I think you were also saying earlier how when you were younger, you were playing with your cousins and they were talking about, you weren't really made fun of for playing with their toys or stuff like that. But like, in my own personal experience, I was like, I used to, I have like a bunch of boy cousins and I would always be playing with them and doing stuff like that. And it was just uh, criticized for playing into those masculine roles or playing into those other things that weren't as feminine as I was presenting. And it was just really interesting seeing how family and school and all those other things socialize us and create what we perceive as like our genders and what we perceive as our own self. So what you were bringing up was really interesting. Yeah, I would say I have like a kind of similar experience because I grew up, I would say relatively gender neutral. I did a lot of building things with my dad and building model airplanes, but I also played with Barbies and wanted makeup and all this stuff. And in school, I was always kind of like what Daisy was saying. I was always like, wanted to be faster than the boys and like better than the boys at sports. And like, I did a lot of sports growing up, so I was naturally stronger, but then people would 
say that, oh, like, you're a tomboy or you're not a tomboy. Like it was very confusing, the labels that got assigned throughout and only really in college did I kind of start thinking more about it. A lot of it actually after meeting Daisy <laughs> and I, I text her with existential crises frequently. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think kind of like having those things really was quite formative in how I perceive myself and my gender as well. Yeah, this kind of plays into the next question we were going to bring up, which is how do you perform or what does it mean to perform gender? And has this changed for you over the period of like the pandemic and with COVID and everything? So to me, I kind of see the fact that the the word is performing gender comes from performance. So it's almost like you're putting on an act in, because you're going to be viewed by others. Like there's an audience there for you to perform to. So it can be like whether you're performing because you want to uphold these expectations that have been placed on you, or it could be like performing because you want to make sure that others perceive your gender in the way that you want to. So you have the control of how you're being perceived. Um, so that's kind of how I understand like what it means to perform gender. And for the COVID part of this question, I, I COVID's definitely kind of affected my own gender performance. And I think it comes for two big reasons that happened for me. One of them was I cut my hair like really, really short in a way that I have never had it. The last time it was this short was when it was growing out of my hair. And so that kind of sent me into this weird, whoa, I've never seen myself look like this. This looks a little bit more masked than I'm used to. And like, even then, even now, like if I look at pictures of myself with really long hair, it almost feels like that's another person, which is something I haven't quite tapped into just yet. Um, but it's definitely something that like I allowed myself to do because I knew that not many people would see me with my hair short. It's almost like I, I let myself go outside of my um, boundaries because I knew I wouldn't necessarily be performing for others. And secondly, I've started to prioritize my comfortability in my clothes a lot more than presentation, whether it's like, oh, I want to present like myself very tidy or I want to look very put together. So I want to wear like this dress or something. Um, now I'm like, screw all that. I just want to be comfortable because now the pandemic has like led me to prioritize that way more than like I used to. And I've started to realize that like if I look in my closet, I'm feeling less and less inclined to pick out the clothes that I used to frequent. But I feel like that's a, a problem that future me is going to have to deal with when I post-COVID once I have to redo my wardrobe because I'm starting to get the inkling that what I have now is not what I'm going to want to wear later. For me, performing gender. So it's more like the things I talk about with my friends. And I was saying, like, I realized that I would use different tongue when I'm talking to like boy versus girl. So for boys, I would talk like more masculine, you would say, and to feels like I fit into that group. And I don't want them to perceive me as like a girl trying to fit in. As like, I, I belong to this girl, uh, this group. And for the girls one, I would talk about like things girls probably will like. Uh -huh. Well, I feel like that's kind of sort of generalization, but I still use it. And during the period for COVID, that's my transition from pants to dresses. 
that's also the thing Stacey touch and uh, touch on because of the comfort. Yeah, dresses like way more comfortable than than pants. I, I don't feel like I was like bound by something. I was like I can just like pick up a dress and wear it and have to worry about the uh, how good I like. Does my outfit looks good? Uh, I don't have to worry about this thing. So I cares about this like being comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, what y'all brought up kind of reminded me of this one TikTok I saw. And it was talking about how the isolation that came with COVID and the pandemic really led everyone to like self-introspection, just like looking at like who they are and like how do they want to perform outside of what society wants because like you're not interacting with other people, you're not really seeing others. So it's just everything you're doing now is like kind of more so for yourself. What do you feel comfortable with? Daisy, you were saying changing your whole wardrobe and just how now you feel free from like society's burdens and like society's view of what you should be rather you like you want to be who you want to be instead going back to what you were just saying that kind of reminded me of something that my therapist said to me ages ago like probably almost a, not almost a year ago maybe she, it was like in april like a little bit after the pandemic had started because i kind of hinted to her i was like well i'm not really having that many social interactions maybe we should make this a bi-weekly thing instead of a weekly thing. And like, I don't know if she just wanted to, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, she, um, she reminded me that like, it's still better to be going weekly, because even though you might not be having as many social interactions that cause you like stress, or like all these other things. Now, during isolation will be the time, like you said, to be introspective about yourself. And you have a lot more time on your hands to do that. So maybe we wouldn't be analyzing me being mad at my friend or me being upset with like my partner or um, stressors at work. Now we could analyze like, why is it that I didn't necessarily feel the need to get out of bed that day? Like, or why did I choose to do one thing over the other? And like these very small mundane tasks could suddenly be moments of introspection and I hadn't thought about it that way until she brought it up and now you kind of resurface that memory which was very cool because I kind of forgot about that <laughs> yeah I think that social performance overall is just a really interesting phenomenon so I kind of did the opposite of you and I started wearing I'm not gonna say more pants because I usually wear pants and I will alternate between like very feminine like right now I'm really really feminine <laughs> presenting especially like with my hair curled and with makeup on but um I also um oftentimes will dress really masculine especially during the pandemic kind of just like to see um and I like dressing that way it just makes me feel different um as a different presentation uh and exploring that not just for comfort but kind of also because I felt like it was something that I needed to go into um I think has kind of helped me through the pandemic I also like got an undercut and like shaved the back of my head so I think that also gave me like a different feeling to myself I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> yeah I totally get that because I also kind of go between like, super femme and like pretty mask most of the time. And I think it's mostly because of seeing more people like that on TikTok and like on social media. So it's being exposed to those things. Is, it made me feel more comfortable to do it myself. I think that's one, one of the good things about social media because it allows for other people to be like, hey, that's someone who I want to be like. And I can do that. I'm allowed to do that. Like no one's stopping me from being me. So I thought that was really interesting, especially with COVID because... 
I spent so much time on TikTok, too much time on TikTok. And it's just like, there's so much resources there and so many people just willing to teach and willing to be like, hey, if you didn't know, this is, you can just do things. Here you go. <laughs> so I thought it was like really interesting. It's kind of also interesting that we feel like we need someone to tell us that we can do these things or we need a model to show us because we're in such a strong mold that you've molded in society since, you know, before birth, like we were talking about with like gender reveal parties, that you don't think of the possibilities outside until someone gives you that option or gives you that. Same same with like classes as well in like gender and sexuality studies or sociology, like we were talking about before. Can I mention also like going going back to your undercut, it reminded me about like the almost I guess like gender euphoria that I got when I got my um, side shaved, it felt so affirming to myself. I've grown it out now, so I have a full head of hair. Like for about like two or two and a half years or so, I had um, the right side of my head shaved, maybe like a quarter of my hair was gone. And it, it was so nice because I was able to kind of switch between like wanting to present more masculine or um, totally covering it up with the other half of my hair and then like choosing to present femininely and like that gave me a really good like way to um, kind of find myself like being more fluid with gender and it was really really cool and also wouldn't have come had I not been told by others like you know you could just shave it like no one's stopping you we have clippers right here and just getting that like moment of someone like kind of allowing yourself to see the open door that's there that you had always either ignored or it was behind you and you didn't realize it was there okay thank you all for sharing your insight and experiences i'm really grateful that we were able to cultivate the space to talk about such an important topic with that being said, this marks the end of the first part of our discussion here, but come back next time and we'll be continuing this conversation on the socialization of gender. Thanks for tuning into the Narrative Project Podcast. We hope you all enjoyed the dialogue we had today. Please remember, should you need support from the care office, please call us at 949-824-7273 or email us at care at uci.edu. Our services are available to UCI students, staff, and faculty members, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m., 5 p.m., PST. The UCI Counseling Center is available at 949-824-6457 and offers 24-hour access to counselors by phone. And for Waymaker's 24-hour hotline, they can be contacted at 949-831-9110 in South Orange County or 714-957-2737 for North Orange County, they can provide resources and referrals for survivors of sexual assault. Human Auctions 24-hour hotline is available at 877-854-3594 and provides resources, safety, and support for individuals experiencing relationship abuse. For those outside of Orange County, the National Sexual Assault Hotline can be reached at 1-800-656-4673 or through online chat at RAIN.org, that's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G, for resources and referrals for survivors of sexual assault. And the National Domestic Violence Hotline can be reached at 
1-800-799-7233 or through online chat at thehotline.org. That's T-H-E-H-O-T-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G for resources and referrals for survivors of individuals experiencing relationship abuse. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please be sure to share it with someone you know and join us for our next conversation. Bye for now.